Welcome. You're listening to The Aligned Self, conversations in creating a conscious and abundant life. This is Daniel DeNovi. I'll be your guide and host. Let's see just where we can take this. Well, friend, welcome into the conversation. If this is your first visit to the Aligned Self Podcast, welcome, welcome. We've been getting a lot of new listeners, and I appreciate you finding us. And I understand that this has been part of your journey, too. You connecting here is part or an answer to a question you've been offering up to the universe. So there's no mistake that you're here. It is a synchronous rendezvous in time and space. And if this is your first time listening to The Aligned Self, I hope you'll subscribe and hang around a while. I have a lot to say, and I've already said a lot. In the last year and a half, we have almost 180 episodes, and it's been a joy. It's been a journey along the way. It's been a real adventure. In fact, my birthday is coming up at the end of October, on October 28th, and I'm looking at the numbers, and we should hit 100,000 downloads by my birthday. I think that would be a sweet birthday present. And what that means to me is that it is confirming that the message resonates with more than a couple people. So, welcome to the family. This episode is one of the series that I've been doing on manifesting and law of attraction. And today we're going to get more granular, more specific about what is law of attraction, what is vibration, or how does vibration and frequency interplay and really work with the law of attraction. So before I wade deep into this episode, you might be asking, just who am I? I realize that we've had many new listeners join the podcast, investigate what we're talking about here. And so I just want to give you a little context on the different aspects that have come together that form my self-identity. I've been investigating hypnosis since I was in my early teens, and I have been, you know, deep into the subconscious processing, the other than conscious processing of our minds. That journey began 50 years ago. I'm just about to turn 62. I actually began studying hypnosis when I was 13, so it's almost 50 years, but who's counting? But along the way, I've had a series of intense, mystical, magical, spiritual experiences I've had very many practical experiences. I've done and made just about every mistake you can make as a human being. I've had a lot of errors along the way. I've taken a lot of detours, and I've done a lot of things right. When I was 28, I was certified as a hypnotist. I got my certification, and I was also certified as a neurolinguistic programming practitioner. Since then, I've gotten my master's practitioner, and I'm a trainer of NLP, firewalk instructor. I've been all over the world. But in opening my private practice, my, my side practice, I had a full-time job, and I opened up on the side in 1988. Since then, I've worked with 10,000 people, making the impossible possible. I've worked one-on-one with clients. I've worked with them in workshop settings. And so I have a particular perspective on law of attraction. I've been practicing it since I was introduced to the Seth material back in the early 80s. Seth was the first one to say, you create your reality. And when I read that, I really got it. I just knew it was true. In 1991, I was sitting in a dentist chair. I was having a root canal performed, and through a combination of Novocaine and gas, nitrous oxide, 
when they put the gas on me, something came over me. There was a sense of panic, like my skin was on fire, like I wanted to bolt out of the chair. But fortunately, I had the presence of mind to not do that at that moment because the dentist had a drill in my mouth. But I was overcome with this sense of of anxiety. And because I've been a practice meditator and I've been utilizing self-hypnosis for so long, I really focused on entering in an altered state, which was augmented by this nitrous oxide, this laughing gas. I was in a deep altered state throughout the entire procedure. I lost track of time, and that is when I received a download from the universe. All the information about how we create reality, how we manifest things, I knew. I just knew it on an intrinsically deep level. And that knowing was still with me when I came out of the office and I I paid my payment, I made it out to my car, and I just sat there just in awe and wonder at the experience that I had just gone through. And then I decided to drive home, not really knowing how long I had been sitting in the parking lot. Well, between the dentist's office and driving back to my house, I had lost a lot of the information. I lost, you know, the context. I lost, it was like it was slipping out of my mind. And it was, it was a little upsetting to me because something that I knew with certainty just a few minutes earlier suddenly wasn't within my grasp anymore. It was like when you have one of those very vivid dreams and you wake up thinking, oh, I'm going to remember every detail of this. But by the time you get a cup of coffee, by the time you get out of the bathroom, you can hardly remember, what did I dream? What was it about? You remember you had the dream. You, I had a dream. It was very vivid. But all the details start slipping away. <laughs> all the characters. Can't even remember who was in the dream. It was something like that. So then I spent the next 20 years reclaiming that information. I knew it was in my other than conscious mind. I just didn't always have conscious control over it. And so in the process of reclaiming this information, reawakening it from within me, I began studying the works of Waddles and Neville and Hill, some of the early pioneers in New Thought and Law of Attraction. I studied James Allen and Seth even more deeply. And then most recently, I've studied Esther Hicks and Abraham. But there's been many, many others as well. I've read hundreds of books. I've read autobiographies. I've studied the lives of people, successful people, to glean those aspects of the law of attraction and how it has been working in their life. I have modeled excellence, which is the bedrock of NLP. And so I tell you all this to kind of put the context here that my intention is that in this workshop, in this mini workshop, this episode, that I, it's my intention, that I present law of attraction, the concept of law of attraction and vibration and frequency, and explain it in a way that it will expand your current understanding and deliver it in a way that you may not have heard it before. Of course, it's my delivery, so it's going to be slightly different just in that fact. But I want to put a different spin on it or give you a different perspective to help augment, expand your understanding. So let's begin by defining law of attraction. Law of attraction is the powerful universal law that acknowledges the vibrational nature, the energetic nature of all things. Quantum physics tells us that everything is energy. Everything seen and the unseen has a vibrational frequency. When I was first introduced to physics back in the 70s, 
there was a distinct difference between matter and energy. You know, matter was everything that you could basically see and touch. Yet, quantum physics has revealed to us that everything is energy. It just vibrates at different frequencies. Even the densest, most physical pieces of matter, when you look at them at a submicroscopic level, you'll see that they're full of holes. They're nothing but electrons flying around. They're energy. So law of attraction explains and governs the coherence and integrity of the universe. Which said another way, if like energy did not attract like energy, if like, you know, if energy repelled vibrational frequencies that were similar to it, you would have no physical matter. There would be no no coherence, there would be no assemblage of energy to be in physical form. Like things wouldn't come together to actually create something. It'd just be a mass or a soup of quantum particles, electrons, things flying around, repelling off each other. But because like attracts like, we have phenomena, experiences in our day-to-day that you can call upon to say, yes, that's true. Most of you at some point or another have tuned into a radio, tuned into a radio station, utilized a radio. And you know that when you turn your radio into, say, the Hip Hop 106, you don't get the music broadcasted to Country 99. Like frequency is attracted to like frequency. You've probably heard the phrase that birds of a feather flock together. As human beings, we tend to gravitate to other people that are like-minded, thinking similar things to us, have similar values. We congregate in clubs and communities and affiliations. In fact, typically, most people get quite upset when someone shows up that doesn't fit into the program. Many years ago, when I lived in Columbus, Ohio, I had a bird feeder out on my back patio. And as it would happen, the squirrels would move in and eat most of the bird feed. But one day, I was watching the squirrels, because I gave up the battle of trying to get rid of the squirrels. But one day, coming down the fence line was an albino squirrel. It was pure white. It had the pink eyes, although the fur was somewhat tattered. It was kind of scarce on the tail. It wasn't the big bushy tail that you normally see on a squirrel. It was definitely malnourished. And I wondered why. It was. It almost looked sick. It had stayed away until the other squirrels moved away from the bird feeder. It was like 15 feet away, just sitting there, I guess, waiting for the other squirrels to leave. And when they left, he slowly made his way down to the bird feeder and began eating. But it wasn't just two or three minutes before a couple other squirrels came in and chased him away. And I'm thinking, they're squirrels. Why aren't they getting along? They're squirrels. Well, obviously, that color made a difference. That albino was not normal to those other squirrels. And because it wasn't normal or in the community, it was ushered out. And I think that's why that squirrel was malnourished. It just didn't have the opportunity to eat like the other squirrels. And I I imagine it was pretty lonely. So there's this tendency to seek out and attract others with similar interests, values, and perspectives. Is it the force that brings fans to see a performer or a sports team? I just recently received some free tickets to see a baseball game, the Texas Rangers against the New York Yankees. 
And at this time on the calendar, the New York Yankees are number one or number two in the league. The Texas Rangers, well, they're near the bottom. But the free tickets that I got were in the Yankees section in Texas. I didn't realize that the ballpark only made certain tickets available to people out of town. And so the goal is to have all the Yankee fans sitting together. Well, I have to tell you, it was as if I was at a Yankees game rather than a Texas Rangers game. The energy was definitely slanted towards the Yankees. Now, even though early in the game, there was it basically traded outs, three up, three down, three people up at bat, and three outs. There was no score after several innings. And then one of the Yankees hit a home run, and the place was on fire. They ended up scoring three more runs, and the Texas Rangers one more run. So I said to my son at the top of the eighth inning, let's make our way to the door. And he said, wait, 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 the game's not over yet. I said, but you can feel the momentum. The Yankees are going to win this. And frankly, I don't want to be stuck in traffic for an hour and a half. And so we made our way to the parking lot and we drove away with no delay. We had the radio on and indeed the Rangers lost. You could feel the energy that the Rangers just could not muster the collective energy in order to turn the tide on the Yankees. Each of the teams walked onto the field differently than the other. Each of the teams had a different expectation about what was going to occur that night. And this phenomenon of momentum and collective energy, we'll talk about in greater detail down the road, but it is crucial in pulling things together, of aligning things in order to manifest the things that you want in your life. But it's safe to say that every event, every circumstance has a particular vibe to it or a particular frequency. An argument feels different, has a different vibe than a party. If you've ever walked into a space just after an argument has taken place, you can still feel the tension in the air. You see, you and I, by divine design, are interpreters of frequency and vibration. We interact with the world vibrationally. And this is the mistake a lot of people make. They think, well, I see it, I hear it. Well, you are interpreting frequency and vibration. Your eyes interpret the different frequencies of light to distinguish color and shape. I've said before, and I actually got this from Abraham Hicks, that if a tree falls in a forest, does it make a sound? And the answer is no. There, It makes a vibration. There is vibration in the environment. But there is no sound because there is no person to observe it. And so in our ears, we receive vibrations from our environment. And then those vibrations are interpreted in our brain and distinguished as different sounds, identified as different sounds and compared to things that we've heard before. And then if we haven't heard anything like it before, it strikes us as novel and unique. But we tend to categorize things. What's important about this concept or understanding this is understanding that we take everything outside of us and we represent it in our head through our five representational systems. And so because we're constantly interpreting the information that's out there and reassembling it in our head, we never actually interact with the real world in and of itself. We're always reacting to some perception or some interpretation, our interpretation of reality. And so by that means, 
we create our experience of reality. But you might be saying, well, I'm interpreting what's out there. So there is a certain reality out there. But is there? Because if all you have is your interpretation, how do you know there's really anything out there that you are not making up? Let me give you a different example. In a moment, I'm going to ask you to say in your head, yellow yo-yo. A yo-yo, if you're not familiar with it, is a toy. It's a disc on the end of a string, and through the flick of a wrist, it will wind up and down the string, and evidently, people have great amount of joy playing with it. Now, I have to admit, I haven't seen a yo-yo in, out in the marketplace in quite a few years, but uh, I'm relying on the fact that you have encountered a yo-yo at some point in your life. So, we're about to proceed on a little mind experiment. If you have the capacity to, I'm going to ask you to close your eyes. But if you're driving, keep your eyes open, please, and pay attention to the road. But when I tell you to, I want you to say the words in your head, yellow yo-yo. So, on the count of three, say the words in your head. One, two, three. I'm assuming you played along and you said the words yellow yo-yo in your head. Now, I have to ask you, who heard the words yellow yo-yo? You didn't hear them with your physical ears. Yet, when you said the words yellow yo-yo in your head, you heard something. You heard the words yellow yo-yo. And if you're perfectly honest, you also saw in your mind's eye a yellow yo-yo. How is that possible? You did not see anything physically, but you had a representation in your head, a palpable representation in your head. You saw a yellow yo-yo. You heard the words yellow yo-yo. Now get this. If I was to ask you to envision a red yo-yo, you could do so immediately. In fact, if I change it to a green yo-yo, you now see a green yo-yo. Do you understand that this is all taking place outside the confines, outside the limitations of physical reality? This dimension of thinking we'll refer to as the fifth dimension because it occurs outside of time and space, which is the fourth dimension. And so that little exercise took place in the fifth dimension. But get this, not only did you create a yellow yo-yo, a red yo-yo, a green yo-yo in your head and heard the words in your head, there's an aspect of your consciousness that was able to reflect on the entire process, to observe the entire process. And my point in bringing this to your attention is to elaborate the idea that you are more than just the physical expression in this incarnation. You are primarily consciousness, a field of consciousness. Now, we can say that 99% of who you are, you cannot see, touch, or feel that other people have no perception of, really, possibly energetically. But the 1% that you see in the mirror, you dress up, you cart around, that is only a small aspect of who you are. But it is what most people see. And if they were to try and define you as your body, you would say, I'm more than that. If they only took one aspect of your personality and said, that's how you are, I said, well, I have many other dimensions to myself. That's just how I show up in one particular situation. You understand on a deep level that you are not physical. The greater aspect of you, the greater whole of you, you cannot see, touch, or feel. It lives outside of time and space.
Now, this is important to know because as we proceed and begin manifesting the things you want, you're going to do so in the fifth dimension. And in the fifth dimension, we create the effect first, and then we give up the how. We allow the universe to to catch up with our creation in our head. This difference between the fifth dimension and the third dimensional creation is in the fifth dimension, we create the effect first, and we allow the universe to create the cause. In the third dimensional thinking, it's governed by action. We create an intention, and then we start setting about the cause ourselves to will it or create it into existence. That is possible, but it isn't as expedient. It's not embracing the full power and depth of of law of attraction. Now, I want to go back to an idea that I, I shared in a couple episodes ago that the Nobel Prize this year was awarded to a couple physicists that were working with entanglement of quantum particles. They had two particles on opposite sides of the universe, so to speak, but in the observation of one particle, it changed its trajectory, and the entangled particle that was somewhere else on the other side of the universe also immediately, instantaneously shifted to match the other particle because they were entangled. Like attracts like. So that in and of itself is phenomenal. Just the whole concept that they proved entanglement, that two photons, two particles are entrained. So aside from that, if that, if that was it, that'd be enough. But in addition to that, they also set science on its ear when uh, they redefined what is the fastest thing in the universe. It's been traditionally considered that light is the fastest thing. There's a constant speed of light, and most everything is measured off the speed of light. Yet when they influenced one particle and there was an instantaneous reaction and response in the other particle, they proved that the fastest thing in the universe is consciousness. It was instantaneous. In fact, it was so fast, so quick, it's beyond measurement. And so the second aspect of this is that because there was no time involved, our conception of time is different than what time really is in the universe. Our only experience of time is a mental construct. It's created. It's not really how time works. And so once you wrap your head around that, then you can speed up your manifestations when you don't have to wait for things to line up because the moment you create it in your head, energetically, it's created instantaneously. Yellow yo-yo. So you might be saying that's all interesting, that's fascinating. I never thought about it that way exactly. How does that apply to law of attraction? How do I make this work for myself? How do I get the yellow yo-yo into my physical experience? Well, if you were to focus on the yellow yo-yo enough, meaning that you focus on it in a way that you expect to have it in your experience, and you align your feelings with using a yellow yo-yo of how does it feel to play with a yellow yo-yo, and you created it as real as possible, as palpable as possible in your mind's eye, then you would start setting about your behavior to have that in your possession. But what we typically do is we create it in our head, we create the intention, and then we look at our current circumstances and we say, I don't have a yellow yo-yo. And so we create the lack of it right there in our observation. 
we're not aligned, we're not focused on its fulfillment. So like I said in an earlier episode on frequency and vibration, the frequency of the thought is thinking of the yellow yo-yo. That's the creation aspect of it. The magnetizing force are your emotions. It's the vibratory equivalent of having that wish fulfilled. And that's something that Neville Goddard said. Assume the feeling of the wish fulfilled. I'll say it again. Assume the feeling of the wish fulfilled. And to really illustrate this, let's uh, get away from a yellow yo-yo, because that, for me, that doesn't carry a whole lot of juice. Let's think about a relationship. If you were to have the relationship of your dreams, the relationship of your intentions, what would be the feeling of that having been fulfilled? Would it be intimacy, joy, companionship, connection? Now, I need to pause just for a moment here, because... There's a mistake that people make thinking that it is the relationship that delivers the connection, the joy, the love, the expression, but it's not because you can have a relationship and have not any of that. It is your focus. It is what you're creating that to mean. And so that is the essence of what we want to get from the form of a relationship. And so our job is to align with the feeling of the wish fulfilled. And those feelings are generated within us. So as we align our mind, our heart, and our actions with being love, with being a source of connection, with being and feeling connected to ourself, then we create this inner world, this inner space, this inner feeling of being that is us. It's our natural expression. And then by consequence, we will attract the relationship that supports that feeling, that is in alignment with that feeling. That feeling state of the wish fulfilled becomes our expression in the world. And then anything that's not in alignment with how we're choosing to be, we recognize as not for us. It doesn't fit. It's incongruent. That feeling state becomes our internal GPS to keep us on track, to inspire action, for us to move in that direction, to attract that relationship into our life by a magnetizing force based on who we're being. Because remember, consciousness is the fastest thing in the universe and you're going to be attracting an entangled particle, an entangled being that will be in alignment with how you're feeling. But the way most people do it in the realm of relationship is they have relationships that have worked, aspects of relationships that have worked, and aspects that haven't worked, and they take those different things and they project them out in the future. They're not creating from that fifth dimensional space and then aligning their their emotions with that, that vision, connecting to the essence of that intention. But in being physical beings, we take a look at our physical circumstances and we begin focusing on that. Well, I don't have a relationship right now. I did not like aspects of that other relationship. There were parts that I did like. And so I have this mix of things I didn't like and things that I do like. And I still focusing on those things I don't like. Because remember, the mind cannot not think of something. So when we say we don't want that, we actually bring it into the focus of our mind. And the universe is indiscriminating. He said, well, that's your focus. That's what you're going to get because that's what you're a vibratory match to because you're aligning your mind, your frequency, and your emotions, the thing I don't want, with that. And so you're just going to create more of what you don't want. 
And this is why it's difficult sometimes, when, especially when you're beginning in Law of Attraction, to focus on your intention and think that you're going to draw that in right away. Because frankly, you're not practiced at keeping your alignment, your vibratory alignment with the feeling of the wish fulfilled. Does that make sense? Hopefully it does. So let me expand on this problem in manifesting. The problem a lot of people have, and they, this the thing that they point to on why law of attraction doesn't work for them. And remember, the mind is a difference engine. It has trouble not seeing what you don't want because it's like, boy, girl, move away from that pain because that's where the mind goes first to avoid the pain, avoid the danger. It focuses on that first and then it takes a part of your executive function in your brain to focus on what you do want. But that's difficult. And so we tend to focus on the circumstances that we don't want, the things we don't like, the lack, the missing, and we just perpetuate more of the same. Because if we look at the data, we look at the facts, quote unquote, it's not supported. What we really want, the intention is not supported. We take a look at our surroundings and it doesn't seem real. This intention we put out in the universe, the things we're, we're attracting into our life, it seems so far away because we're disconnected from the feeling of the wish fulfilled. We're focusing on what we don't want. We're focusing on our current circumstances, which more than likely are not in alignment with what you truly desire. Because if you were aligned with what your intention is, you would fulfill it automatically. And so when you create an intention and it's not fulfilled easily and automatically, then you know and you understand that that is feedback that you need to do a little work. You need to do a little bit of letting go. You need to be refocusing, reconnecting, redirecting your thoughts and your emotions. So in the next episode, we'll discuss more about how to enter into that that state of the feeling of the wish fulfilled. And I'll give you different ways to do that. To sum up this episode, everything is energy. Your thoughts are energy, vibrations that are sent out, transmitted throughout the universe to attract circumstances, events, and material things, because material things are just energy, into your experience to align with your energetic transmission, your energetic vibration. And what constitutes your vibration are your thoughts, your emotions, and your actions. It's that congruent expression that is aligned with the intention that you're putting out there, or rather the intention that you're attracting into your experience. The pitfall in this process is that once we create an intention, we are too present, too aware of the missing of our intention, the lack of what we want in our current experience. Now, this is something that's important to understand. We cannot be present in the moment and actually think about the moment. We can experience the moment, but the moment we begin thinking about it, we are in the past. We are in the reflection of what we just experienced. So our awareness or our thinking about the present moment or what's going on is tied to the past, if only in a matter of degree. But our current circumstances, what we're presently aware of, is a result of past thinking, past processing, past actions. And so our point of power to create our intention lies in how we align our thoughts right now. 
And then also in the next episode, we'll talk about creating momentum, focusing your thoughts, creating your vibratory state in a way where they coalesce and create a magnetizing force that makes your intention inevitable that it will show up. It is inevitable. It's on its way the moment you create it. And as long as you stay in alignment with the fulfillment of that intention you created in that fifth dimensional space, it is inevitable that it will show up in your experience. The only thing that will delay it is in your own thinking. If you focus on the lack, if you focus on something else other than your intention, you will create the delay or you'll create something else because, I said it earlier, but I'll remind you, you cannot not manifest. The law of attraction is always working. So whatever you're currently attracting into your experience is a reflection of the vibratory message you're sending out into the universe. Okay, that's it for this episode for now. I hope I actually left you with more questions than answers, some things to think about, some different perspectives to entertain. Until next time, this is your friend and host, Daniel Danovi, urging you to follow your bliss, live your life from inner signals, be inner directed as you engage in the epic adventure. (laughs) 